Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war of our life experiences make us who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Most people may look on the outside like a person who has it all together, but in truth, we don't ever really know the hidden struggles of the life of a person that's right in front of us. Many have discovered that perhaps they don't even know those they have lived with all their lives. We are all individuals. A lot goes into the making of a person. Each of us have our own unique fingerprint. It has never been here before, and it will never be here again. If you've ever been among the depressed and wondered if your life has value and purpose, please consider my words. There is none other like you. You are here for such a time as this. You may be among the population known as the broken and suffering. Your struggles could be visible, possibly, to all around you. Or perhaps you look like a person who has it all together, but deep down, there are hurts and memories of nightmares in your life experience that have formed you into who you are today. Maybe you have never told people of the deep anguish of some life trauma, or maybe you have, and people now benefit from your transparent confession and life wisdom you share that was born out of that trauma, or maybe the trauma was so deep and painful that it's not something you've ever felt like you could bring to the surface and make known to those around you. Something happened at my church this last Sunday that sparked the topic I want to talk to you about today. Today, I want to talk to you about the reality that there are predators around us seeking whom they may devour and destroy. Welcome to Nurses Out Loud with Nurse Michelle, Thursday edition. The first thing I want to do is tell you what happened at church so that you can see where I'm coming from. So I go to a pretty large church here in Georgia and has a couple thousand people that attend every Sunday, a very large group of worship singers and a lot of people there. And this particular Sunday, I was sitting with my family and happened to have one of my young adult daughters beside me. And when she ever is there at church with us and not away at college, she wants to sit near me and has always been that way all throughout her life. And right in front of us was a young family and there were young families all around us. But this particular family had what looked like a little boy, maybe less than two years old and two young girls that were probably under seven years old and they were little people. And somewhere in the course of the service, the mother bent over to the little girl and they were possibly engaging about a request from the child. And the next thing we noticed was that the little girl was given the okay and she walked out of her pew. We don't actually have pews, but there are lots of chairs. And she walked through the people from the center of the pew to the aisle and out. 
And at the moment that happened, my young adult daughter beside me looked at me with the knowing look that she and I both immediately knew we had the same internal gut feeling about that circumstance. And it was unspoken between us, but it was a knowing that we both have internally that my daughter knows me well and very likely knows what her warrior minded mother is thinking about. And even though she tries to be more positive thinking and wanting to think the best of things in the world and recognizes that her mama is somebody that seems to be able to always identify the potential dangers that are around. Um, She knew, she knew. So after the service was over and we never saw the little girl come back to her mom, I knew that when I um, saw the mother, I was going to actually have something to say to her. And it was something that I could not, not say to her. And right before the service was over, I did notice that she kept looking back over her shoulder, the mother looking for her little girl to come back. And, you know, thousands of people are standing up by this point and she decided to leave and exit. And I thought, you know, I've got to watch for when she returns to her husband. So sure enough, um, I let my son who was on the right of me know that I was going to be talking to somebody and I saw them coming And I almost bulldozed him because he's one of those people who needs an explanation before he moves. And I'm like, you need to move out of my way. I must get to that person before she got into her world that she might be used to just going into and chat, chat with everybody after church. So I came right up to her and I said, hey, you know, are you a member of the church? And I've never met you before. And I introduced myself and I said, there's something I feel like I really need to talk to you about as an older woman to a younger mother. And I said, I'm here with my kids. I happen to be a mother of six children. And that usually does make people's eyes bug out just momentarily, because obviously that's a lot of kids, but I happen to hang with people that have lots more. So it's pretty normal in my world. But anyways, I said, I have six kids and I'm here today with my two babies and there they are. And that one's about to get married. And this one's only 15 years old. That's my baby. And, you know, she's sitting there with her little boy, who's her baby that is barely not even two years old yet. And I said, now what I'm going to say to you, I don't want to offend you. I want to say this to you in a loving way for your sake and for your child's sake, so that you never make the same mistakes that I made as a mom. And I want to save you as an older mom speaking to you as a younger mother. And you could tell she was visibly mortified by what I was potentially about to say, because Nurse Michelle is definitely somebody that is not like your average person you run into. I'm going to say probably what needs to be said. And um, you you may know some people like me out there in your world as well. So she, I said to her, I said, I noticed that during church, um, your do- you released your daughter to perhaps go to the bathroom during church and you let her go by your, herself. And she said, oh yeah, that's just something that's normal. That's something I always do. And I said, I have a question for you do you actually think this is a safe place? And she said, yes, yes, I do. I said, it's not, it's not a safe place. And she was visibly mortified because obviously she loves her church. I love my church. And we both think that it is a safe place. Of course, you want to believe that it is. It's church after all. There's a whole bunch of what appears to be good people surrounding you everywhere. But I said to her, you know, very matter of factly, looking her right in the eyes and said, no, it's not. 
and you do not know anybody in here that could literally be a pedophile or a predator who was waiting for such a moment that you provided for them to prey on your child. And I said, and I hate to tell you that you may not even know that it happened to your child until she's 18, 20 or older when she finally has the steam in her body, in her mind to be able to tell you what happened to her today when she went to the bathroom. And I said, you know, very likely nothing happened today. Okay. But let me just say this to you, that in this building, there is most certainly somebody who has a problem with uh, minor child attraction. That's the new modern word for it. But what we're talking about is predators, people who want to prey on children. And I said, I did everything I could in my lifetime to try and protect my children. I had had an incident in my childhood that wasn't even considered a severe um, childhood experience, but it was, it traumatized me. And I overprotected my first couple of children of my six in an extreme effort to try and make sure that kind of thing never happened to my children. And my first two kids were daughters. And I will tell you, listener, that the people who came to prey upon my children were always within the safe circles that I thought I was within. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. I lived on 15 acres when she was a young girl. And while she was living on those 15 acres, we had some trails on our property and beautiful, my favorite trees called red buds were blooming. And we called that red bud lane. And it was very near the dirt road that we lived on. There was a fence that separated our property from the road. And who would ever worry about my lone dirt road that only had about seven houses on the entire road because everybody had property and nobody hardly came down it that was not a resident of the property. But on Redbud Lane, my little girl, who was only about 10 years old at the time, found a pornography magazine that had been thrown out of somebody's car just laying there on the um, nice little path that we had um, plowed for her to walk uh, the several acres. And instead of her having a response that would be, oh my goodness, I've got to go tell my mom, it bred in her a desire to covet it and hide it. And she put it inside of a tree hole so that every time she would walk through the trails in the months ahead, she would be able to find it and look at it because it was quite an impressive thing to find for a young, innocent mind. Okay. So that was on my own property in my own home. Another way that her mind was assaulted with pornography was she often wanted to write a letter to President Bush. Uh, she wanted to do it monthly. It was just something she was interested in always in her life. So she would write a letter to the president and she would decorate the outside of the envelope. Um, but on one particular month, she didn't get her letter out. And she asked while a babysitter was there, if they would get her on the White House website and upload her letter there. And the person just got her on the internet and my daughter looked up the website. Well, who would think that there would be a website out there called whitehouse.com instead of whitehouse.gov? Why would a 12-year-old know to put .gov instead of .com, right? Well, that's what the predators are counting on. And on whitehouse.com was one of the most prolific pornographic sites I'd ever seen in my adult life. And my 12-year-old was exposed to that in an instant. And when I say exposed, I mean every kind of graphic, most extreme form of pornography was on the front page. And she would later tell me as a young adult 
that that incident was like a rape almost to her mind because it was so vile of an exposure. But anyways, I let this mother know about this and I let her know that in all my attempts to protect my daughters, that my oldest daughter particularly did get exposed to bad people multiple times throughout her life and that I feel it a uh, upon myself, burden upon myself to make sure that young mothers don't make the same mistake I do. And that there's never a safe time for your daughters, your children to walk into a public bathroom. And she said to me, at what age, Michelle, do you believe that it's okay for a child to walk into a bathroom unsupervised? I said, do you ever feel uncomfortable as an adult woman walking into a bathroom that you think might be um, inhabited by somebody that's there when it's alone. Do you ever open the doors and wonder if somebody might be hiding behind it? And she says, well, yes. I said, okay, there's never a time that a public bathroom is without the risk of danger. And she said, well, at what age would you let your little boys go into a bathroom by themselves? And I said, you're going to be shocked to hear what Miss Michelle says to you. My boys know that if they ever have to go into a public restroom by themselves, They must go in, gauge the safety of the situation. Are there men in there? Do they feel uncomfortable? If they do in first moment, they must walk out immediately and tell me, and I will actually bring them into a family bathroom instead. I said, but there is a serial killer known as, um, but his particular profile was that he targeted people like my son. I said, look at him over there. I said, he's over six foot tall. He's quite packed with muscles. He's very strong. And that was John Wayne Gacy's target audience. Okay. My son's age. And you would not think that that person would be a potential victim, but yet that is who he targeted. So at all times, we must be training our children to be on guard and to be alert and to be aware and preferably to use family bathrooms as much as possible. I said, but I have told my boys that if they are in a public bathroom and anyone ever does a list of particular things to them in any way, I have told them that they at any anything that is required, even involving killing somebody if they have to, to defend themselves is permitted for them, that nobody has a right to touch their body parts or them, or threaten them in any way they need to be ready to defend themselves, and that they're not guilty for anything that they may have to do to defend themselves, and they're not to blame for anything somebody did to them. And for whatever reason, Nurse Michelle has, I guess, a face that has one that people do like to disclose things to me that are of the most horrific nature of things that have happened to them in their life. So I've heard quite a bit of shocking stories over my lifetime. Since I was very young, people disclosed the heaviest of things in their lives to me. So I have been a young woman who has always heard the traumas of people's lives. And I came to become an adult who knows that behind every smiling face, there may very likely be a suffering soul. So I went on to say to this mother that, you know, I'm here for you to talk to you about this, but I want you to go forward thinking about ways that you can train your children that this is the, this is the auditorium. When you are letting your children play while you are visiting, where are they in the building? And she has said they were free to roam anywhere they wanted to be in the building. And I said, okay. That needs to stop. I'm telling you that as an older mom, this auditorium is tremendous in size. 
If they are required to not go out of certain doors that you put boundaries on, you need to make it clear and have a family meeting that says rules are going to be changing. We're going to do some things differently. When church is over, you have to play in the sanctuary or wherever you declare the boundaries. There's a verse that says that the Lord declares the boundaries of our habitation. And I said to her, As a mother, you're going to declare the boundaries of your child's habitation at every play event. So when you go to a playground, do you not say to your children, don't go over there past that fence? You're not allowed to exit that particular gate. Of course, you do things like that. You are very attentive. All moms are doing the best they can to protect their children. But that does not stop applying in places you presume to be safe. And that includes family gatherings where you're going to, let's say, a family reunion, or you are going somewhere that you think, let's say you're a homeschool mom and you're going to a homeschool event where there's a lot of um, teens and kids and young children and babies and things like that, a play group of some kind. There are predators in every single age group. I know of stories that would make your skin crawl of people who let young boys that were in their early teens babysit children who later became uh, pedophiles to those children. I know of people whose preacher's kids who harmed their children in the home of the preacher while their children were playing together and while the parents were getting counseling from the parent from the pastor. There is absolutely no place you can consider in your mind without the possibility of molestation. And on this show today, I'm going to talk to you about the realities that your children and grandchildren face and the fact that we need to make a generation that ceases and desists from permissiveness and covering our eyes and pretending that we don't know about the traumas and terrors that children have endured throughout time, and that many of you listening out there endured in your own childhood, and perhaps your own spouse doesn't even know what was done to you by a uncle or a cousin or a neighbor or a friend or a boyfriend. And yes, um, we're going to go over some of the statistics about who are the predators, Who are the typical preys? Of course, it is more commonly female children, and there are certain groups of children that are more at risk. But for you to understand where Nurse Michelle comes from, it's not just that it's a topic that I just want to talk to you about. It's a topic that I am passionate about, that I want you to hear that I want you to get a dose of the passion I feel for your need to personally feel a desire to protect your own children better and how to advocate for your children better, how to find help for your children and how to find help other people protect their children better when you observe what I observed in my church this last Sunday. So before we go into that, I want to tell you a story that's quite shocking. Nurse Michelle had lived at least four decades before a major wake-up call had happened for me, and it involved one of my kids, the same child who had had all kinds of things happen throughout her childhood that I had tried so hard to try and protect her from. And in this particular season of her life, she had married a preacher's son, and everything looked 
lovely, like anyone would hope would happen, that you would go off and marry your beloved man that you had thought was going to be this wonderful future ahead for you. And in my oldest daughter's case, that did not prove to be true. And very soon, I mean, very soon within the first week of the honeymoon, red flags went up about this person possibly having some serious issues within their mind as it pertained to women. And before the first six months of that marriage was up, there was various sundry kinds of abuse, domestic abuse, uh, verbal abuse, emotional abuse that she endured. And before a year and a half was up, she was fleeing from that marriage for her life and getting a divorce. And you would think, okay, this is really bad. This is a lot of trauma. And this is really hard for a family to have to endure. But actually, the biggest trauma had yet to come. And that trauma was going to be church persecution for her choice to choose divorce over reconciliation and forgiveness. So we won't deal with that topic today, but you can be sure that Nurse Michelle is going to be dealing with that topic in the near future about church abuse. But what that church abuse opened up to me was that there was a population of people out there who had been harmed in their church, let's say, had been victims of abuse, domestic abuse by their spouse, or they were molested by somebody in religious authority within their childhood. And that when the church came aware of those abuses, more abuse was laid upon those children or those adults because they were actually blamed for what happened to them. If at worst, they were blamed and at best, they were ignored. And and so neither one of those outcomes is very good. Their situations were not protected. And so I discovered in our own suffering of trying to find help to know how to deal with the persecution that came for a daughter who was seeking a divorce on grounds of something other than adultery, that I became aware that there was this entire population out there of people ministering to those who have been harmed within religious organizations. So the reality that that exists is the first trauma of the naive mind, right? You may be naive out there to not believe that this actually happens because maybe you have been among the fortunate that haven't had um, sexual trauma happen to you from somebody within your church or relatives or friend group. And I'm very thankful for you for that. And you should be very thankful for it because it is actually quite common. I believe the stat is one in every four girls before she's 18 years old will have had some kind of sexual harm done to her. And that, and that means all of us know somebody who it has happened to. So it is imperative that we become more empathetic and willing to find help and resources for people. But among the resources that I was a privy to after our trauma was started in our family was a ministry by the name of jimmyhinton.org. The Speaking Out on Sex Abuse podcast with Jimmy Hinton and his mother. Before we go to the break, I just want to tell you about his book and the description about his book so that you can have a good idea about what he's about. In His book is called The Devil Inside by Jimmy Hinton, and this is his description of his book. When my sister disclosed to me that our father, a former well-respected minister, had sexually abused her as a child, I made the difficult decision to report. I went into ministry because of the example of my father. 
He was loved, trusted, and adored by all of us, but he held a very dark secret. He had been sexually abusing young victims for decades. We had no idea. He is now serving a life sentence in prison for sex crimes against children, and this book describes the journey from childhood to the moment I discovered the abuse and reported. My life is now dedicated to researching deception and abuse techniques so I can equip people to see what we all missed. We can intervene and stop abuse before it happens. The devil inside will walk you along my journey of discovery, questioning, God, and advocacy. I found out about Jimmy Hinton through podcast searching. And if you're a podcaster and already listened to Nurses Out Loud on podcasts, then you also can find Jimmy Hinton and his mother with this podcast. If you are a person who has had sexual abuse, if you have been harmed by religious people uh, or were molested by people within your church or harmed by people in a religious power of some kind, this book is going to be for you. If you are a person who's ever had to report about sexual abuse within your family or with people that you know, this book is very likely for you. I'll make sure that it is in my show notes. But before I go to the break, I just want to remind you that all of our shows go to podcasts within two days of you hearing it here live on America Out Loud Talk Radio on iHeartRadio. And anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find Nurses Out Loud. We're here at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern every day, Monday through Friday, and we are here at 11 p.m., as an encore every day as well, Monday through Friday. And remember, the only reason we're able to be here to share with you our look at the world through a nurse's eyes is because of our sponsors. So please go to the americaoutloud.com page and find out about the Genesis Fogger, the oral nasal sanitation options that are available for you, and my free doctor that if you need some medical help and also the wellness company, if you are looking for help after vaccine injury, or if you're looking for help after um, COVID and didn't, and you have long haul syndrome, or you're just needing help because your doctor failed you throughout COVID, because we know that it happened all over the country. So please tell your friends and neighbors about these resources as well, because they are the ones that help us stay on air. Be sure to check out all those sponsors and spread the word with your friends and family. Make sure they know about it as well. And remember, it's all of our jobs to make information known to our friends and family. So after the break, we'll pick right back up with sexual abuse within the church and within our communities. It's time and this is World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Before the break, I was telling you about Jimmy Hinton Ministries, and I want to tell you a little bit more about that story because this is a story that I briefly told the young mother at my church that I was telling you about earlier. And the reason why I wanted her to hear about this is because she had presumed that because it was her church, it was a safe place. And Jimmy Hinton was the son of a pastor of over 40 years. And he expresses in his story the trauma of discovering that his own sister had been molested by his father. And apparently, I'm under the impression that all the boys in the Hinton family all went into ministry because this father was so revered and respected by their his sons and respected in the community, respected in his church by all the adults. Okay, but what came to be revealed about Mr. Hinton's father is that he was molesting a large portion of those children over the 40-year period. And what is so amazing about what Jimmy has done to expose is that he has correspondence with his father in prison, and it is under my impression that he has collected more data on the mind of the pedophile than ever has been collected in history, because you have a father-son relationship where the father is apparently motivated to share, confess, whatever it may be the sins of the father to the son so that the son can come to better understanding. Um, Jimmy, listening to Jimmy will help you understand better how he goes about doing that. But this is one of the shocking things that is revealed in one of the podcasts that he exposes, and it's probably in his book as well. And that is how this predator was able to figure out that you as a parent would be a good opportunity for them to prey upon your children. And that may be very hard to hear something like that, but that is what the predator is looking for is the opportune moment and the parent that is not on guard. Okay. And we cannot all be on guard at all times. It's all we can do. I trust me, I have six kids and I am a mama bear and a hawk 
and a Hawkeye and try not to be a helicopter parent, but have been accused of being that and try really hard not to be. But even in the best attempts to watch over our children, danger comes to them, right? So we can't do everything. But this is one of the things the father actually uh, confessed to his son. And he said that when a young child, as young as, let's say, 15 months, two years old, would come toddling up to their parent and the pastor was right there, one of the first moves he would make to assess a parent's watchfulness or lack thereof was he would just put his hand upon the head of the child while watching the parent's gaze to see if either parent's eyes went to where his hand was, which was on the head of the child. If the, if it proved that the parent was so entranced with the conversation with the pastor that they did not assess what the pastor's hand did on the next encounter, he would be rubbing the child's shoulder or patting the child's back and observing again to see whether or not the parent was observing if he was touching their child. And if the parent again, passed the test of lack of observation, he would then evolve into caressing the child's backside to the point that he would actually put his hands down inside the pants of the infant, uh, whether it be the underwear or whether it be the diaper. So that by the time this child was his prey in the sense of victimizing for rape, he would actually be able to say to the child, because he had many instances where he actually molested people's children within family gatherings, when they were at his house, when they were riding on his back or around the living room in the presence of everybody watching, that all of these young children had had some kind of sexual encounter with this man, with his hands, or in some way, so that when he had them alone and he was doing much far greater offenses to their bodies, he could actually say to them, remember, this is me loving you. This is the way that I love you. And your parents know I do it. Remember, they were right there when I did this or that or the other to you. And we know that predators like this, when you learn what this man had, what they discovered, little tiny Ziploc bags of gels and jellies and treats and candies and toys and things to be able to manipulate children's minds and eventually their bodies. He had complete inventory. He was fully prepared at all times to be able to molest the children within his purview. Okay. It will shock you. You will be blown away with what this man was able to do and get away with. And the children never tell their parents. Okay. So let's just deal with that. Why is it that children don't tell? Okay, because this is a person in authority that's leading them, manipulating them into believing that things are okay. And what we're seeing in our society right now is an attempt to be inside the schools to help your children think that it's not a big deal to tell you that Johnny is actually Jenny and Jenny is actually Johnny. And even though your eyes and common sense and your conscience as a child tells you otherwise, people in authority are starting to manipulate the minds of children right in front of us. Okay. So that's blatant attempts at children. And if you haven't noticed our theme song for Nurses Out Loud, it is called This Is War by Richard Farrell. And if you've never heard the entire song, we want to encourage you to listen to the entire song because the words are relevant to our society right now. We are in a war and there is a war on children and there has 
has been a war on children for a very long time, and it's been being covered up. And I want to encourage you that if you're out there and you've heard something that I've said, and you're one of the victims that are out there, I'm sorry for any potential gaslighting or whatever the right word may be right now that could have harmed you already by just hearing some of the things I've said that this pastor did. And if you're one of the people who are victim of a pastoral abuse or religious authorities abuse or somebody who did something similar to you, I encourage you to reach out to Jimmy Hinton Ministries. There are other resources I'm going to be bringing to you at other times that will give help and hope to you because that's my goal is for you to find help and healing so that what happened to you can be used for good. There is a verse in the Bible that says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, wherewith the comfort ye yourselves are comforted of God. So my goal is to help you find ways to heal and recover yourself and to make sure that your children and your grandchildren do not also become victims. Uh, I made a very hard attempt as a parent to try to not have a victim child. And my attempts did not seem to be enough. And that was a mother really trying really hard to keep uh, my firstborn child from getting harmed and and a lot of harm came to her. And it's really sad to realize that. And it came in ways that I never was prepared for. Okay. That's what I was trying to protect this mother from the naivete of not knowing that there is danger around. And some of you may have heard before that I have a son that is aware that mom is a very intense person that if I'm talking to you about something passionately, I'm a hundred percent. I'm all in with you. Okay. You have my full attention to a fault that I might not notice that there's some creeper standing on the corner looking at me or eyeing me. But my son who's now 21 is very aware of those kind of things. And he's never actually been harmed by anybody, but he is very aware of danger and he'll come up to me. He has some special needs and he'll say something in his perseverating way. And he'll touch my arm and say, mom, 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 we got to go, go, go. I have come to learn that when this young man says that to me, he sees something that I do not see because all of us don't see everything. I've actually had myself walking through um, public events in our city when we're going to some festival or something like that. And I'll say to my younger son, who loves to hold my hand when he walks with me, to say, I want you to be attentive to tell me if you observe any kind of creepy person looking you over, staring you down or making you feel like bad vibes. And one of our times that we were walking through the city streets, having a great time at a festival, he did a five time squeeze of my hand to tell me that he had seen five different individuals making him aware. Now, some could say, okay, Nurse Michelle, you're making your son neurotic. No, I'm making my son aware. And it may sound like that. And I'm sorry if it does. Okay, so we're going to move on to something that he does discuss, Jimmy Hinton does discuss, and that is the Team USA gymnastics doctor, Larry Nasser who was a part of the sex abuse scandal that began in 2015 that was alleging Nasser had repeatedly sexually assaulted more than 500 young women and girls under the guise of medical treatment. And likewise, in this particular Nasser case, the girls would report that while their own parents were sitting right in the room, the child was on the medical bed while the doctor was doing different physical therapy moves and stretches of their body to help improve their t- torn ligaments or torn muscles or whatever had happened to them on the gymnastics team. 
he was at the same time putting his hands inside their bodies and molesting them, okay? And doing various sundry other kinds of physical harm to these young ladies. And eventually this all came out. The girls got together, had a major lawsuit and, you know, finally got a win and he is now serving time in jail. So if you don't know about the Larry Nasser case, you will learn about it through Jimmy Hinton Ministries, but it's another example of how people who are doing harm are literally right in front of you. The parents are right there when it's happening. And it's not because the parents are doing anything wrong. It's because the predator is that good and that we need to become stronger, more powerful mama bears. Now, if you do not know about a particular movie, I'm, all summer, I'm going to try and give you all some movie suggestions to watch. And you can go to my show notes every week and see whatever movie I'm going to be suggesting to you. And I've already given you two for the summer, and I'll give you again one today. So if you haven't heard about the movie Spotlight, you can still watch it on Amazon and Netflix. Now, we canceled our Netflix because we thought that they were uh, too many problems, but you can still get these kind of movies in other ways, okay? So Spotlight is actually an investigative team for the Boston Globe that is the oldest continuously operating newspaper, I think, in the country. And um, many years ago, they, well, all the time, they're do, they look for a specific case that they do a very deep dive into, and they make it their big expose called um, the Spotlight Column that they have. And this particular case was involving uh, B- Boston police and a policeman uh, investigating the molestation of a child in a local parish by a local priest. And what the Boston Globe Spotlight team came to discover was that hundreds, um, there were 90 abusive priests in Boston alone, which represented 6% of the priests. I'm not sure if that's 6% of the priests nationally or if that was for Boston, but there were 90 priests sexually harming children. And when you listen to this case, it is going to blow your mind. Okay. They became the people who exposed the Catholic church for how the Catholic church was guilty of covering up the crimes against children. So what you'll discover, I don't want to give away the plot, the whole story, because I really want you to watch it. It's so riveting. You definitely should see it. Your young adults should see it with you as well and have a conversation about it so that they can be aware that this kind of thing exists in the world so they can be on guard. But this particular story is of people in religious authority who were sexually harming children. And I just want to say to you that the the gener- and what would happen when this would become reported, let's say a parent would report it to someone within the church, it was exposed that the Catholic church was actually keeping a record of naughty priests and that what they would do to fix the problem was move that priest to another parish initially, and then eventually another county, then another state, then another country. And at the end of this movie, you're going to see how far reaching this abuse continued because they did not annihilate these priests who were sexually molesting children. They just moved them around. Okay. So what did they do? These abusers made more victims in other cities, states, and countries. And that is a shame and a reproach. And that is evidence that the church that people call the Catholic church um, failed the children of its, of its, purview. Okay. So we're talking about 
hundreds of thousands of children all over the world in just one denomination that were sexually harmed. Now, there's different kinds of sexual abuse that children can experience. And based on the kind that it has that comes to you could be what impacts you lifelong with how you pursue partners in your future. Are you attracted to same sex because you were a little boy that was molested by a male priest at a very young age? Are you now attracted to men because of that? Because your first sexual encounter was with men. Are you a woman that doesn't want anything to do with men sexually because you were so violently harmed or physically violated by a man in some kind of position of authority that you gravitate toward attraction toward women because of that. I'm not saying that that always happens in same-sex attractions, but you'd be amazed how similar the stories are that people who have same-sex attraction have sexual molestation in their past. And it's a worthy psychological study that is worth looking into for the psychologists of the world that actually do care to find a cure. So check out that movie and I don't want to give any more away. It is worthy of being watched and everyone who ever hears of any kind of child abuse or child sexual molestation, you do have a job to do and it is to report them no matter who they are. I want to give you some statistics as well to know that um, in 2016 alone, there were 57,000 children that were victims of sexual abuse. One in nine girls and one in 20 boys under the age of 18 experienced sexual abuse or assault. 82% of all victims are under the age of 18 and are female. And females between the ages of 16 and 19 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of rape, attempted rape, or sexual assault. And uh, a lot of people want to blame these girls in this age group because they think, oh, they're blossoming, they're they're trying to find boyfriends or whatever. There is nothing a female can do that causes her to be the cause of a rape. If no, no matter what she's doing, a person is responsible for rape that does the harm to the woman. And that is the person we should be targeting, not the female who is the victim. Here's some more stats. About four times more likely to develop symptoms of drug abuse. So if you have had child sexual abuse, it is a long lasting and affects the victim's mental health. We need to find help for these people because they are four times more likely to develop symptoms of drug abuse. They are four times more likely to experience PTSD as adults, and they're three times more likely to experience major depressive episode as adults. 93% are known predators of the victim. Only 7% are strangers. We want to think that it's strangers that we have to worry about with our children. But the reality that I wanted this young mother to realize is it's the people you know that are more likely to victimize your child. 59% are acquaintances and 34% are family members. Out of the sexual abuse cases reported in 2013, 47,000 men and 5,000 women were alleged to be the perpetrators. In 88% of the sexual abuse claims that CPS substantiates or finds supporting evidence of, the perpetrator is a male, and 9% of those cases are female, and 3% are unknown. And we're talking about a generation that doesn't even know what a man or woman is anymore, okay? So in the National Center for Victims of Crime, self-report studies show that 20% of adult females and 5% to 10% of adult males recall a childhood sexual assault or sexual abuse incident. During a one-year period in the U.S., 
16% of youth ages 14 to 17 had been sexually victimized. Over the course of their lifetime, 28% of United States youth ages 14 to 17 have been sexually victimized. Children are most vulnerable between the ages of 7 and 13. And there's a Bureau of Justice statistics that shows that 1.6% of children between the ages of 12 and 17 were victims of rape, sexual and sexual assault. A study conducted in 1986 found that 63% of women who had suffered sexual abuse by a family member also reported a rape or attempted rape after the age of 14. And recent studies have also concluded similar results. Children who had an experience of rape or attempted rape in their adolescent years were 13.7 times more likely to experience rape or attempted rape in their first year of college. A child who is the victim of prolonged sexual abuse usually develops low self-esteem, a feeling of worthlessness, and an abnormal or distorted view of sex. The child may become withdrawn and mistrustful of adults and become suicidal. Can we not hear all the reasons why we've got to do something vigilantly to protect children at all costs? Look at the lives that are harmed because of abuse. Children who do not live with both parents as well as children living in homes marked by parent parental discord, divorce, or domestic violence have a higher risk of sexu- being sexually abused. The vast majority of cases where there is credible evidence that a child has been penetrated, only between 5 and 15% of those children will have genital injuries consistent with sexual abuse. Okay, so what is that saying to us? That says that the majority of children who are being sexually abused do not show credible evidence of that abuse on their bodies. So that means you can't find the evidence of harm. Child sexual abuse is not solely restricted to physical contact, such as such abuse could be non-contact abuse, such as exposure, voyeurism, and introducing child the children to pornography. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about how people who were abused were initially first presented with pornography that lured them in, and then the physical abuse came after that. Compared to those with no history of sexual abuse, young males who were sexually abused were five times more likely to cause teen pregnancy, three times more likely to have multiple sexual partners, and two times more likely to have unprotected sex, according to the study published online in the Journal of Adolescent Health. I want to quickly review the terminology of The terminology of child sexual abuse is complex. Recent studies reinforce the need to move away from terms such as pedophile. And we've heard people say things about um, minor attracted persons, which describes the perpetrators of child sexual abuse as mentally ill. While some child rapists are pedophiles, most are not. Rather, individuals who made a choice to abuse a child. Other important terms to include that we should be familiar with is Child sexual abuse, which is the repetitive act of sexually violating a child over time. Child sexual assault, which is the one-time act of sexually violating a child, which can include any sexual touching or exploitation. Then we have molestation, the sexual assault of a very young child, and then rape, which is the forced act of penetration. 
Here's some more statistics. Almost 70% of all sexual assaults happen to minors. Nearly two-thirds of sexual violence cases involve minors between the ages uh, under 18 have 2.3 times higher chance of being sexually victimized. Child sex abuse statistics indicate that while the incidence of sexual assault appears to be declining, children are still the most vulnerable group in regards to this type of crime. 3.73% of child abuse victims don't tell anyone about the abuse for at least a year. So we're talking about people are able to move out of your church, move out of your situation before your child is even telling that this happened to them. Child abuse risk factors that are also going on is children who live with a step parent are 20 times more likely to be sexually abused. Children who have experienced sexual violence are 13 times more likely to be victimized in adulthood. Foster children are 10 times more likely to be victimized and be victims of sexual abuse. And let's say something about the perpetrators. 96% of perpetrators are male, 30% of male perpetrators were victims of sexual abuse themselves. So let's look at that stat for just a minute. 35% of perpetrators were victims of sexual abuse. That is not 80%. That is not 90%. That is a small percentage of people who are perpetrators were victims. So I want to be very careful to make sure that we don't have this compassionate feeling for somebody who has something bad happen to them to justify doing bad things to other people. We know it does happen. And when we were considering fostering children many years ago, we were informed through the foster parent training courses that children who had been victimized sexually were more likely to victimize other children. Okay. So if I would have, I had a six-year-old child when I was looking at becoming a foster parent and they said that we needed to make sure that we had children younger than our daughter because the chances of molestation are higher inside of a foster parent home because children who are entering the foster system are commonly victims of sexual abuse. So that's a really big wake up call for us at that time. But I want you to realize that a larger percentage are not victims, okay? And almost half of all perpetrators are Caucasian. And they have some some statistics on that. And I think it's worthy of some people to look into. But it says nearly 20% are African-American. Another 20% are Hispanic. And that race is not a predictor of child sexual abuse. But it does appear that rape is primarily, quote, in their words, a white man's crime, regardless of the victim's age. So I want some people out there to look into that and see what does it say about maybe other cultures? Why are they not reporting as much? Are more people in the Hispanic and Black populations actually getting sexually harmed by people themselves, by Black men, by Hispanic men? But are they are the victims not reporting? Is it less likely to be reported? And why is that? I think somebody out there needs to get that data for us. Around 30% of perpetrators are the child's family members, and 20% of abusers have attacked between 10 and 40 children. That's pretty bad. And 7% of students get assaulted by someone working in the school system. So that is a lot of stats to pay attention to, and that is what motivated Nurse Michelle to come up to this young mother and say, it is imperative that you do not let your children go to the bathroom by themselves unsupervised even at church, even in family gatherings, 
bathrooms are supposed to be considered a place to be on guard, to protect our kids, and to have them being watchful. We need to consider bathrooms even now becoming more dangerous, especially in the public arena, because we now have people being given rights to go into a woman's bathroom when they may still have male genitalia. And these sexual assault statistics clearly say that it is men that are more commonly the predators to children. So if we have men dressing up with women inside of bathrooms, whatever their cause and reason may be, the chances for molestation have greatly increased in this generation. Nurse Michelle is very justice-oriented, and in the, in the situation of child abuse, it is not common for justice to actually happen. Less than 35% of children's sexual abuse claims make it to court, and unfortunately, one in three adults wouldn't believe a sexually assaulted child. So we've got to be in the business of keeping our children in enough situations that are safe, that we're protecting them, and that when we hear reports of abuse within our churches, we hold them accountable. It doesn't matter if they are considered religious people. They are actually the wolves in sheep's clothing among us and the reprobates worthy of the law. So we must pursue them aggressively. We do not need to hold church court sessions. Instead, we need to be having the law coming after those that are harming the next generation and bringing more broken people into adult world that do not feel equipped to be able to cope with their own trauma or to be able to handle helping their own children be protected in the next generation. So I would love to hear from all of you. If you have some comments on this or some advice or some thoughts, I'd love to hear your, share your thoughts with me. Please make this truth known, get this word out, be a person that speaks to people in your churches, in your ladies groups about how young mothers can protect their children better. It's up to each of us to make the truth known. Let's all do that. And that's our job here on Nurses Out Loud, trying to inspire you to make the truth known. Until next week. It's time and day.